Hi everyone, welcome to the first full episode of Be Heard's podcast. As you can see, I've been outside today, but um, the weather is kind of awful, so my hair's a mess. But I'm all about keeping it real, so we do as we will. Um, so last time I explained kind of what Be Heard is and why it means so much to me and kind of introduced what I'm trying to do here. But I don't think I really explained neurodiversity and me particularly well, if at all. So when I was a kid, and I know I'm only 21 now, neurodiversity wasn't really a term that was used. Um, it's used more and more now, but it, it wasn't 10 years ago. And that's a sign that we are progressing as a society. But I was diagnosed dyslexic. And you'll understand why I got an autism diagnosis when I explain this, is that I was diagnosed dyslexic when I was eight, having gone to various schools and struggled so much. More now, I realise for the social things, as I look back with the mental maturity that I have now, and I was looking and I got diagnosed with this thing and it was called dyslexia, and that's more or less what I was told. And it only makes English as in the school subject difficult. So in the UK, if you're watching this from other places, because I can see on Facebook that I have some people from around the world, we take subjects, so we take English, maths, and then anything else. But English, the language, is not really taught. It's like um, assessing your reading and how you comprehend the text and how you can analyse it and break it down. And I, I mastered how to answer the exam question, which I think is the main reason why I passed. But anyway, I've done more than passed. But that is what it was. And I, my reading speed was really slow. It's a lot faster now, thanks to things like my tinted glasses and things, it, and you learn coping strategies, but I only knew that it made this thing hard, but it wasn't an excuse not to try. I have to try. And something you'll learn about me is that my mum is a massive advocate for a growth mindset, and she'd be pecking my head. It's like, nope, you're going to sit and you're going to read. You don't want to, and you know you don't like it, but you're going to. So that's what I did. She used to hold me down to get me to read sometimes because I really didn't like it. And then as I got through school, I did really bad in English, but kind of could hold my own across most of the other subjects, except for foreign languages. I really struggled with that because I really struggled with English itself. And then adding another language on top of that, it was just too complicated for my brain. I was like, I can barely read and write in English. Well, I couldn't read and write, but not well. And then I was like, oh, let's just do it in another language. And at my school, you had to take three foreign languages at one point. You had to take Latin, French and Spanish. And I used to get them all mixed up. Just, when Latin exams came around or French exams or Spanish exams, I just used to freak. Especially when it came to spelling. Oh, spelling. No, 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 no. Just didn't work for my brain. Um... And it got to the point with my higher education where you choose in the UK when you're 14, 15, um, the subjects you want to take for GCSE. And you, you have to take maths, English language and English literature. So the language is like comprehension and essay writing. And the other one is analysing and essay writing of texts like Shakespeare or poetry. And two novels, I think. It, it's a lot. <laughs> Um, and then I took double science, food technology, design technology and business studies. And I managed to drop the foreign language for further support in English and maths. 
and science but I didn't need the science stuff because I could do quite well in that so I mainly went for the English and math support and then this I had this lecturer not lecturer teacher she's called Kat she's lovely she doesn't teach anymore sadly but she came to my house every Tuesday for two years and taught me how to answer a question actually understanding what the question was asking and what that meant in terms of an answer and the exams that I took the next time around after all this time about nearly 10 years I've been told your dyslexia only affects English all my grades across the board kind of just did that <laughs> there's like trajectory up out of nowhere and I remember I came downstairs and I said to him I said you know this dyslexia thing I said does it just affect English the school subject or does it affect English written and reading communication across everything she went down I've lost it but it, I'd learned the lesson by that point but then it was like oh my god so like if I answer this question like this I get the marks that makes so much more sense now and that is really what did it for me I had to learn what the question was asking and how that how an examiner would want that answering and then I basically learned how to answer the questions. I knew all the stuff. It was applying that into an answer, which was where my my dyslexia wasn't helping. And it was really quite confusing. So that's me with dyslexia. And now I'm in higher education. I get a lot of extra support and things. But that is how I was kind of found to be dyslexic, struggling with reading. My short-term memory is horrendous. Um, there's a reason why I even planned this podcast by scribbling notes down because I my short-term memory won't let me remember. It's like my mum laughs. She could tell me three things to do. And if I do the first one, great. Second one, okay. Third one probably ain't going to happen. And it's not me being belligerent and rude. It's that I just don't remember. You have to write it down for me or send it to me because otherwise, yeah, she just send me to a shop for three things. I'll come back with two of them. And it, it's actually quite amusing, but that's me with dyslexia and quite right now I call it my superpower most of the time because it enables me and Richard Branson said it best dyslexia is my superpower because it enables me to decode things and structure things and think about and analyze all these academic theories and models and like just break them into a million pieces and then put that together in a different way and lecturers will come out to me and go that's not what the model is though I said no but it's what the model should be or I can pull a model apart and go this bit works, this bit doesn't, but as a whole, it would work better if you got rid of that. And I can analyse and break things down really quite well, or simplify things to the to the point. So overall, you learn to cope with dyslexia. I think the earlier you're diagnosed, the better, because you can teach yourself things, and schools are more supportive now, and more aware now, even even since I was in school things have come on a hell of a long way but that's one thing to be mindful of that there are options out there um, and dyslexia if you're a slow reader and your short term memory is not very good and you get like rivers of light running through work and things it might be something to take a look at I'll leave in the comment section of this YouTube video a, um, a few links to my blog that might be helpful as well so then we get to 18. I have left education, I've been in employment, got a different job, needed surgery, had a car accident, and I decided that I didn't want to do the career that I always thought I wanted for a variety of reasons that I'm not quite ready to talk about yet.
I now went back to education to do something called an access to higher education diploma. And at the time I did it in biosciences because at the time that's the sort of thing I wanted to go into, but things change. I go, I went in and spoke to the people that were taking that course the other year and it's like, yeah, the, the degree title that you start the year with won't be the one you end it with because you change it. <laughs> and the first two academic weeks of the year, I did not handle them at all. And I'd call them explosions. I'd just absolutely lose it. Now I identify that. It was an autistic meltdown. It is what it is. And I'd come home and I'd had a fight with my mum, brackets, meltdown, that then led to a fight. Not like a physical fight, like a verbal argument. And then it was like, I think you're autistic. And I said, prove it because the stubborn person that I am. So we went down the, you need mental health support, but we need to know what's actually this, the full scape of what's going on. It's like, we think you're autistic. And I was like, right, okay, well, I don't need locking up I, i'm fine i wasn't fine but i was i could wash myself and i can do things and i can hold conversations most of the time it's like no you can still be autistic so i went off and i went on train and i went to bristol because that was where i could get one and i live in north wales in bristol it was like five hours on the train um i had like a dog that i trained to help me with things but i hadn't used him for public access that much yet um so he didn't come with me i went on my own and I sat in front of the psychiatrist and she was asking me all these questions. I think, oh, I'm doing really well at this. Yeah. Um, I got an autism diagnosis. And then I spent like two months in denial. Like, no, I'm not autistic. I can do this and I can do that. And then my mum's like, yeah, but really? Like, really? Like, yeah, you know, you're either too loud or too quiet, or you don't make eye contact, or you don't make eye contact with people until you know them very well, or you. Then I was like, mm, maybe it's true, and that was in like the October kind of time, and just before Christmas, I decided I was ready to talk, and I was like, I've got some trauma stuff that I need to deal with. I need to go to therapy. I was on antidepressants, and I still am. Um, but I needed to actually process what happened to me from a car accident to some other things just to and in a way I had to grieve <laughs> myself I felt like I had to grieve this identity like I'm fine and at the end of the day I wasn't I'm autistic and it took me a while to like own that label so I went to therapy from about December that year till about March April maybe even the beginning of June actually June I was in therapy for quite a while. In fact, I'm looking at going back to therapy to do some more work on myself. Thoroughly recommend it. It may be hard and it may be painful and it may be expensive, but the skills and perspectives you can get from therapy about yourself and the situations you are in are really powerful. So I went to therapy and learned a few things, learned that, but did you know, like this is me utterly shocked that you can feel more than one emotion at once. And do you know people feel emotions mentally? So like for a long time, I thought this was normal. I didn't really feel emotions. I just felt physical sensations. So I could say, I'm angry because my fists are tight. I'm angry because my legs hurt because I tighten different muscles. Or I'm happy because my jaw doesn't ache. Or I'm anxious because I've got this pounding in my chest and my fingers and I could never I could never tell that each one was separate. 
and I had to do a lot of work on identifying emotions and psychological manifestation and physical and when I feel more than one and then I realized I was feeling so many emotions that I didn't actually know what was what anymore and you do the work and you kind of there's a Julie Smith video I think it's Julie Smith video on Facebook on TikTok um about going to therapy and you've basically got this bin and it's full of papers that are overloaded it's scrunched up in a mess and overloaded and in therapy you basically take each one out straighten it process it and fold it back and do that with each one and then this overloaded bin comes into a pile like this big and that is really what it feels like to go to therapy um and i learned a lot and i wasn't quite owning my diagnosis yet i was aware that it made me who i was but i wasn't quite sure where the line of me and autism ended and now i realized autism is me there isn't a line there isn't a bit of me that's autistic and a bit of me that's not i am but i'm still a person so i'm a person who is autistic who happens to be just a little bit neurospicy because why not and then i went into higher education so this was the we're in the middle of the first covid lockdown and then I went into university my first year that September of 2020 and it was difficult but I really like working from home <laughs> this is my little den this is my office and it's all lovely um and it's my little sanctuary um it's a place that's designed for me to be calm in basically and I managed quite well I have a mentor I have a dyslexia support worker I get I type everything, um, my handwriting's appalling and I learn quite well on my own. I, I do, I cope really quite well in this kind of structure. You give me a structure and I'll run with it. And throughout my first year I did okay, I managed quite well and then the summer happened <laughs> and I don't like breaks, I don't like change so it was like routine, routine, no. Um, I broke my foot, I ended up in hospital and then I came back to a new academic year and that was really hard for me because I, I really struggle with the changes in routine which is another thing that I didn't realise was my autism and I went back to my second year and I worked remotely most of the time because I was pretty careful with Covid due to my lungs and I, I went in I think about eight times and my university is really near my house, it's like 10 miles away so I was working on my degree, coping really well. And then the end of the summer came again and I decided that I wasn't going to let myself have the quiet time. Sorry, I had to disappear for a second. Um, and I decided I wasn't going to let that change happen. So I decided to keep myself really busy over the summer. So I did an internship with the university on equality and diversity, which is a big part of my passion. I'm all for equality, diversity and inclusion. It's my my passion. I just don't think anyone should be treated differently because they have a different gender or disability or neurodifference or anything. I just don't agree with it. <laughs> so I will do anything to make anything as equally accessible as possible. And then I met this lovely lady who's a mentor of mine. And she said, well, why don't you start a business then? And I was like, me? No, I've not finished my degree yet. Um, albeit my degree is in business. And I was like... She's like, right, by next week, have a logo name and a concert. I'm like, okay. And this is how Be Heard was born. Be Heard, my brain baby, I call it. It's, yeah, it is. 
So I created Behead in the summer of 2022 um, with the entire aim of raising the profile of neurodiverse conditions and the fact you can be neurodiverse and be perfectly functional member of society because that's a big misconception. And I raise awareness and I educate and I help people understand that this person isn't probably doing what you is annoying you because they want to annoy you. That's just not how it works. <laughs> they could be, but there's a chance that they're not. Um, so I work with the university on training their nurses on neurodivergence because healthcare is a neurodivergent brackets autistic person scares the living daylights out of me for good reason so I train and try and not to be angry about what hurts me to help the next person so I go in and I train to them and I talk to them and have very real conversations about autism and neurodivergence and how to treat people just because we have a diagnosis doesn't mean we're not human so I do quite a lot of work in that respect but I also work on a more individual basis with people and I help them understand exam questions and understand how their brain works and revision and make them realise they can be them. Yes, masking is a key skill. I will die on that hill. Masking is okay, but it's you need to learn when and to turn it on and turn it off. And I teach people coping skills and things that I've had to learn throughout my time in education and through my life and through therapy and through things that I know have helped and put them in front of them in the simplest way possible. So yeah, I have this company and it's called Be Heard and I help people and that's amazing to me. So this is kind of, that's kind of like a well thing about my journey. Um, I am a strong believer that you can put, if you put your mind to it, you can achieve anything you want to. So yeah, I hope you guys have a good week. Um, the next podcast episode should be out in about two weeks or so. Um, so yeah, my name's Rebecca. I'm neurodivergent and I'm very proud of that. And I'll speak to you guys soon. Bye.